on the Hard Rocker Sports Network from KTech 91.3. This is Hard Rocker Huddle, your podcast home for South Dakota Mines Athletics. Josh Van Valkenberg-Gernert, another episode of the Hard Rocker Huddle today. Today I have a special guest, student athlete from the Hard Rocker golf team, Jessalyn Ship. Uh, just kind of getting started, uh, you just mentioned you kind of moved around a lot growing up, but most of your life you grew up in Kansas City. What was it like growing up there? What was your, uh, how many siblings and what was your family life like? Um, growing up there was, it's kind of nice. Uh, lots of different things you could do. Um, I have a twin sister and a younger sister and we have a dog, um, Zeus. He's, he's the star of the family. He, at least he thinks he is. Um, and we, we've been there since... August of 2010, um, but it's a it's a pretty close family bond. We all uh, enjoy spending summers and everything together, doing family vacations uh, to all the national parks and different things. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kansas City, nice place. It's nice and warm, which is a lot different than here. Uh, it was a, definitely a shock when it was negative 20 <laughs> um, and snow and ice and Kansas City is super humid and uh, just kind of muggy and gross in the summers and here it's it's nice and yeah I spent a little time in southwest in Dodge City in southwestern yeah. Kansas and even there the weather it's just it's like 80 degrees all year round and 90 percent humidity so, and, yeah, it's yeah a little bit different <laughs> and not only different weather wise too obviously Kansas City is a big city yeah. and you mentioned being in Cincinnati too that's another big city were you kind of looking forward to maybe going to a little smaller area or what 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 brought you to Rapid City I guess yeah so um De I definitely did not want to go big city, big campus. Um, it just wasn't wasn't for me. I visited a few bigger campuses, um, but it just I I like the home ish feeling per se of the smaller campus. Um, there are only being two thousand some hundred kids here. Um, it's real easy to find your core group of friends, and I can be anywhere I want to be in five ten minutes. Um, Whereas for the bigger campuses, I it was going to be a lot harder to get to your classes and get to practice and uh, everything and just kind of more of a, I, I preferred the smaller area just to be um, closer to people and I feel like the bigger area, was, it was just kind of too much and I didn't want to have to risk, you know, waiting in traffic for an hour and missing class and I mean I already missed enough class for golf as it is. <laughs> don't really want to have to risk oh you know hour of traffic crap now I'm 30 minutes late to class and sure yeah uh, growing up were you I mean obviously you played golf growing mm -hmm. up were you in involved in any other sports and what kind of golf maybe isn't a traditional team sport where it's maybe not at quite as competitive but were you you know what brought out brought out the competitiveness in you growing up uh so I played softball for a little bit um, obviously I'm a lot better at golf than I ever was at softball but um, it, it was just one of those things I've been playing it forever um, and then having 
two sisters as well. We were all able to go out and play with each other. Um, and we started tournament play. Uh, my twin and I started tournament play when we were like 12 or 13 or something like that um, at a local uh, U.S. Kids Golf Tournament Tour. Um, and just from there, that kind of started the more competitive aspect of it. Obviously, moving from there to high school golf, um, playing in all of those districts, sectional state, everything, um, and then eventually on to college golf. Sure. Um, playing in high school, uh, were you pretty successful? Did you make it to state tournaments? I know Kansas City is a pretty big area, so there's probably a pretty big state golf tournament there. Yeah, so how Missouri did it, there were uh, classes, and you had your different class states, so there were two different state tournaments in the state of Missouri. Um, I made it twice, my freshman year and my junior year. The other two years, I missed it by, like, one stroke, so that was really heartbreaking at the time, but uh, it was easy to look for being, does this, this doesn't, I mean, yeah, it sucks, but I'm going to college golf, so there's, there's bigger, there's better ahead. Um, I did make it state twice, which was nice. Um, junior year, I actually went with my twin. Freshman year, it was just me, so it was kind of nice junior year, because both of us got to go. Um, it was, it was, we were the only two from our team, really, that ever made it that far, um, and it was it was just kind of nice to have someone else there. Um, I know a lot of people talk about sibling rivalries or whatever, and as much as uh, people wanted there to be, there really never was. It was we were always within a stroke or two of each other, and it was just kind of like, oh, cool, you know, you did well, glad you did well. Um, if I didn't do well, at least it, she did, or vice versa. Or if we both did well, great. If we both didn't do well, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, your twin, what's she doing now? She's not here, right? She's... No, so she goes to school in Bolivar, Missouri at Southwest Baptist, and um, she played golf there. She um, was on the golf team there, and she's doing cybersecurity okay. uh, major. So. so I assume most twins are pretty close. How hard is that being apart, basically, probably for the first time? Honestly, um... It was kind of nice because all our, our high school was pretty small. Our elementary school was pretty small. It was always Jesslyn and Cassie did this, Jesslyn and Cassie did this or that. Um, so it was definitely nice to kind of be our own person for once. We both kind of got to branch out and it was no longer, oh, you and your sister, um, you and so, uh, you and so and so, like, it wasn't a group thing. It was... The two of us, we got to be our own individual people, uh, make our own individual friends and decisions, and that was that was kind of nice. I mean, it, it was kind of hard. We have a big family aspect, um, so it was kind of hard being the farthest away, because uh, she's only three hours away from home, and she can go home whenever, and I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, on the weekends, or I uh, can't really do that. It's definitely only over longer breaks that I can go home, so... It was definitely interesting at first being here and not being able to go home whenever, but um, it, it's, it's nice. It's definitely one of those things where it's kind of like, oh, it's, it's a good break to have, um, just not being the same person all the time. Sure. Sure. Uh, you kind of already talked about this a little bit. Um, 
How many, did you have other options in terms of colleges, or did you kind of know early on that South Dakota Mines is where you want to go? Maybe talk a little bit about what it was like when you visited campus the first time. Yeah, so as um, for other colleges, it was kind of hard because there weren't a lot of campuses that had both biomedical engineering and women's golf, or biomedical engineering and a women's golf team that I could play for. Sure. Um, so I looked at a few uh, down in Arkansas and Texas, and um, there were two down in Texas, Arkansas, uh, and one in Missouri, and here, obviously. <laughs> um, and I think one of the biggest things that kind of drew me here um, was just talking to the coach. Um, Coach Wheeler and I were new together, so it was actually the coach before him and the coach before that coach. So um, I originally talked to uh, Ryan Trepto. He's out at Arrowhead Country Club now. Um, and he was just kind of, you know, team aspect, great, uh, very personable person. And um, then he left. And so then I uh, contacted Ty and I came up again and I talked with Ty and Ty's just an amazing man. He uh, was great uh, selling the program and just uh, making sure that uh, we felt comfortable being here, making sure that uh, we felt truly at home here. Um, took me out to the courses, let me meet the team, let me uh, hit with the team and everything and just kind of start that team atmosphere before I would before I had made my decision, which was nice. Um, getting to know people before being integrated into the team. Um, you kind of had the friends before being here. Um, campus overall, I had talked to one of the professors um, in the chemical engineering department, because BME didn't have their own people at that point, because it was brand new in 2019. Um, and he just, uh, he kind of sold me on the uh, different aspects of campus and campus life and just um you know that yeah the classes are hard but you're gonna there's lots of ways lots of resources um to succeed so sure so you knew you wanted to be a BME even before you got here what what drew you into that field specifically uh so I had a lot of uh things growing up um with hospital visits and stuff um, with a neuro, like a muscular uh, thing. Being a twin, I uh, have a lower muscle tone because I didn't have enough room to develop. And um, I also enjoyed robotics in middle school and high school. And so uh, for me, it was kind of combining my love for the medical field and love for engineering. Perfect match right there. Um, and then I got here uh, to this biomedical engineering of Originally, I was going to go uh, do something solely medical field, and then um, about 8th, ninth, 10th grade or whatever, I was starting to get more into the engineering aspect of it, um, and was originally coming with the plan of doing, like, medical devices or robotic surgery, um, doing, like, building the robots for that, or making medical devices um, that way, so... Sure, and then uh, let's go into the golf side of it a little bit. You already kind of mentioned that you were originally recruited 
by different coaches. Mm -hmm. But when you got here, I believe, Coach Wheeler was the coach by the time you got here, correct? Yeah, he and I started the exact same year. So he got here in August of 2019, and I got here about a week later. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, so what was that kind of, how did you initially grow that relationship with Coach Wheeler? Um, For me, honestly, it was kind of easy because... Like, I, like, he was brand new, I was brand new, so it, was, it wasn't necessarily a, oh, I know how this coach works, and now I have to get used to a new coach. It was um, pretty easy to find that relationship. Um, and Coach Wheeler, he cares a lot about the team. Um, he tries his best to make sure that we are taken care of um, and that we have everything we need to succeed. Um, which is nice. It kind of, you know, home away from home type feel. Um, if I had a problem with something, Coach Wheeler could handle it, or I could go to Coach Wheeler and see if, if he had other resources. Um, so he, it, it was just nice having that kind of um, relationship with Coach. Um, and it, it wasn't kind of like forced, you know, going – oh, we lost a coach, now I have to get used to this new coach. So there's no, like, bias between coaches or anything. Um, was I expecting Coach Wheeler? Not at all. Did uh, Ty tell me about Coach Wheeler before meeting Coach Wheeler? Yes. So I did have the expectation of what Ty told me going into it, which was also kind of nice. I was like, okay, I know kind of – he didn't tell me exactly who it was going to be, but he's like, oh, a friend of mine – Uh, was going to come coach and he's a really great guy and everything so I kind of already knew that it was going to be a a decent fit so yeah and then kind of along those same lines since coach Wheeler took over um, he's done quite a few things with the program that maybe hadn't been done Mm -hmm. previously I know uh, obviously that first year there's some adjustment period but the 2020-21 year um, there were three top ten, top 15 men scorers, three top 15 women scorers, mm-hmm. two of the four all-time program women's wins, and two team wins. So what has it kind of been like to be a part? You were there from the beginning, so what was that kind of like to be a part of that process of improving the program? Honestly, it's been great. Um, it, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, yeah, we haven't been the best in the conference, and that's something that we're working towards. And uh, something Coach Wheeler is really great at is bringing in new talent, bringing in uh, girls that really care, really want to be there, want to be at practice, want to be at the tournaments, doing the best they can. Um, and so it's a lot better team atmosphere. We have a lot better um, cohesiveness, which plays into that. And I think. Coach Wheeler does a good job um, bringing in people that just fit well with the team um, that we have. Uh, for the process part of it, it's been nice see, just seeing the improvement of the team, uh, knowing that I can be a part of helping the team get better and leading the team to these goals um, is great. Uh, it's one of those things It's kind of like, oh, um, you know, it's, it's not something you think of necessarily coming into a college st- sport. You're not like, oh, I'm going to, you know, win. I, I personally didn't wasn't going to be like, oh, we're going to win a national championship. Um, 
but it is nice to see that the team is improving. And last season, like you mentioned, we had the best season we've ever had. Was it the best season ever that we could ever have? Not at all. But we are starting to make those improvements. We're starting to get better, and that's a really nice process. Um, Just being able to get to that point and start getting to that point and start changing golf. Of course, it's, it's all about having fun, being out there having fun, but also being able to do that and being able to have results. Yeah, and part of that is, you know, in the fall, you guys you guys had a pretty good fall as well, but there was some maybe in some inconsistency from round to round yes. where you'd have one extremely good round as a team as well as mm-hmm. individually. And then a second round maybe where there'd be some bad weather or whatever the reason, mm-hmm. and the second round wasn't as great. What do you have to do this spring to maybe just get a little more, bit more consistent from round to round? Yeah, so we actually, uh, last weekend, not a few weekends ago, or a few weeks ago, uh, the girls' team sat down, um, and we went over what goals we had for this semester. Um, and Coach Wheeler, uh, he wasn't able to make that meeting, but he had told me uh, kind of his goals, uh, what he wants us to keep track of. And a lot of it is, a lot of the stuff that was mentioned was just consistency um, individually and as a team. Uh, so I think a lot of us, we try, if we don't, if, if we don't hit the best shot, now we're trying to be a hero and get somewhere else and I think a lot of us um just kind of playing safer golf uh better course management um will get those rounds to be more consistent um and with that the team will become more consistent um really focusing on the individual players rounds first why are you being inconsistent why was your first round 110 and your second round 82 um, why was your the difference 20 strokes? Why was it why was it even five strokes different? you know? Um, and just if we can focus on why our individual scores were so far off from each other, why they're so inconsistent, then we can start focusing on getting that team score more consistent and having a round of 320 and 325 versus 320 and 375. Yeah, um, golf is a little bit different where, like as opposed to maybe a basketball or football, you're always practicing as a team. With golf, it's a little bit different where you guys are kind of going to the course or going to the simulator as individuals. So what was it, what has it been like to, you know, how do you stay motivated to be able to continue in to progress individually and then what what is the team bond like too obviously that's a little bit different mm-hmm. than than practicing as a team every single day right um individually a lot of the motivation uh per, well, personally a lot of the motivation just comes from getting better myself um trying to beat yesterday's score trying to or trying to let's do this better and see the results of it. Um, very result-oriented. Um, I know a lot of the other girls uh, and guys even 
a lot of it is um, just caring so much about personal and team, um, just being able to better themselves, better the team. Um, it is kind of interesting for golf being a both individual and team sport. Um, just that we're, it's a competition within yourself and a team competition. Um, and I think the, the, the team right now has a great bond. Um, and it's just, it, we just kind of all get along together pretty well. Uh, it, it's just one of those, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's interesting to see how the, the team aspect of it is just a lot different. You're not necessarily working as a team, but being able to um, help your, it's, it's more of a help your team than a compete as a team. Because um, you know that if you do better, your team's going to do better. So um, at least my mindset going into a tournament is what can I do to help the team score? So if I'm shooting 82 or whatever, okay, fine, that, that was a good score, that helped the team score, we don't have to take a 98 or whatever. Um, now, if I'm shooting a 98, I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, what can I do tomorrow to get that lower to help the team uh, get a lower score so we don't have to take that 98? Sure, and then uh, this winter, kind of, what have you seen from yourself and maybe teammates as well to help improve for the spring season? Um, a lot of us, we are trying to get out there on the nice days. Um, sometimes it's hard on the simulator, you know, you get tired of hitting into a screen, and sometimes, yeah, the simulator is good, it's good to keep swinging, but... Um, Mentally, hitting into a screen and hitting outside is a lot different. Sometimes you will hit a shot inside and you'll do something completely different outside. Um, so just taking advantage of the nice days, getting outside, um, hitting outside, getting better there. And then when we can't, getting into the simulator, knowing, okay, this isn't necessarily exactly how I'm going to hit it outside, but just being able to, you know, kind of practice, say I want to do a 50-yard shot, just kind of start practicing the 50-yard shot. Um, or, you know, we can go play courses on side. Um, I'll do a lot of par three courses to work on iron work. Um, and so it's just kind of one of those things in the winter, taking advantage of the nice days, but also taking advantage of being indoors. Um, trying to hone certain skills so that we can apply them to the nice days when we go out. Sure, and then uh, kind of going into some other stuff. I know you do a lot here on campus. Um, just starting off, let's talk a little bit about SAC and what you do for the SAC here on campus. Yeah, so currently uh, I'm head of the outreach committee on SAC, so we do a lot of um, getting in contact with outside organizations. So in the in November, there was something with Love, Inc. Uh, that they were doing, um, kind of like a, a food and uh, Thanksgiving meal for people. Um, we do a lot of things with the Special Olympics, uh, contacting them, trying to help them out. 
uh, and just community outreach, getting South Dakota Mines Athletics into the community and helping the community, bettering the community, um, bridging that gap between the community and the school, um, starting to build connections, starting to get people interested. Um, oh, look what the school's doing for the community. Uh, that's a good thing to be a part of. Um, getting kids involved, getting them interested in the school, um, but also just doing things to help others. Um, it's, it's a lot of, SACTA has a lot of different domains. Um, outreach is very important. Last year, um, Bryce and I were doing dining, so we were working on changing Serbeck hours because they <laughs> uh, were very uh, right in the middle of practice for a lot of teams. And I mean, they're not much better, but at least we've changed it enough where football can still come eat if they need to. Um, it's nice having my own kitchen in the room. I can make my own food. Um, I did that most of the time anyways, but um, so it's, it's just a lot of different community involvement, um, school involvement, just kind of making a presence, uh, trying to change things for the better. Sure, and then you're also on the conference SAC, you're on RMAC SAC, mm -hmm. so it's a little bit more of that rather than local, it's a little more trying to multi-state and national outreach? Right. Uh, so for the RMAC SAC, uh, I do the student health and safety, and a lot of that currently has to deal with the coronavirus pandemic, which, knock on wood, hopefully is coming to an end. Um, but like, uh, we've also done things such as practicing with air quality or having outdoor things with air quality. We know a lot of the times, uh, late fall or early fall, late summer, uh, and late spring, early summer, we start getting all the fires and we start getting all the pollution and the dust and everything from that, the smoke. And so we started doing things where we have levels of air quality, where we're like, this is safe for our athletes. This is where we cut off outdoor hostings. This is, we like just, just different levels. Um, with COVID, it's what do we do for testing individuals? How do we regulate um, vaccinated and unvaccinated? And just how, how do we make it so our athletes across multiple states are being the safest they can? How do we have these set rules so that we know that we have, um, no matter what state we're going to, we have these set rules and it's not up to the athletic directors, it's not up to the coaches, because unfortunately there are coaches out there that would say, you're fine, just play anyways, you know? Um, so it's, it's one of those things where it's putting more control into the athlete's safety versus the actual competition. And making being able to realize that this is not safe for our athletes we need to fix this um so there are a lot of proposals that we do that go around that everyone votes on and um, gets pushed through sure that's pretty interesting i didn't realize all that went into that that's, so that's kind of cool and obviously you have a pretty big effect all of you on the different you know the playing mm -hmm. environment and that 
right, so the next organization <laughs> you're a part of, and I've talked a little bit about this, I had Cheyenne on mm-hmm. here and talked to Melissa recently yeah. as well, but you're part of the committee for the Women's Hard Rocker organization. Yes. What is your role in that, and how did you kind of initially get into being a part of that? Um, well, so for that, for the WHO committee, we don't really have necessarily roles. Um, it's very much so a, this is our, our main crew, we plan the events, but there's no one higher power than the other. Um, a lot of it is creating that equalness in each women's sport, so, um, and, and just getting the women athletes to be able to meet more women athletes. Um, obviously, we are a major- minority on this campus. Um, I, I, most women on a STEM campus are the minority. Um, so just being able to get out and talk to other women athletes, their experiences. A lot of times we'll have alumni come in and talk about their experiences um, with their sport, with their uh, schooling, and just kind of how they balance that advice for the future for the women athletes and uh just kind of kind of a guidance or kind of a um safe space for the women athletes to get to know each other um without it being forced it's very voluntary if you want to show up you show up um it's not you have to show up (laughs) which is kind of nice um you, you see a lot of the same people there, a lot of the people, you're more extroverted people, um, which is nice. You see a lot of different athletes, too. You, see, you have athletes from golf and volleyball and basketball and track and field and cross, cross country and track and field, all the same sport. I mean, most of them are the same athletes, but, you know. Um, vol- I think I said volleyball. Um, just kind of coming together and uh, having a good time. We've had, like, Thanksgiving together um, and just different stuff like that. Um, how I came into that actually was Cheyenne had sent out an email, um, and she was just asking. She uh, she had gotten, like, the leaders of the team from each of the coaches and just asked them, hey, would you be in, would you like to be involved in this? This is kind of the thing that I'm starting, and I, uh, being an athlete who is also very extroverted and likes to talk to people, I was like, this is a great idea. So I uh, texted Cheyenne back. I was like, hey, if you need help with anything, let me know. Um, Sounds like a great thing to have on campus, and I can't wait to see where it goes. And from there, I've just kind of been there. Annika and I, another golfer, we've planned an event. Uh, It was in January. Um, And we kind of let the sports rotate through planning events and stuff and try to have one monthly or every other month. Um, but it's just, just one of those things. It's, it's nice to be able to get out and talk to other women athletes and share experiences. Um, not everyone, well, and a lot of us missing school, it's, it's kind of easy to be like, oh, you know, catch up in classes because volleyball's not there, but we're there volleyballs there when we aren't there and you can kind of catch up and everything and sure and part of it too is you're trying to develop you know some leadership Mm -hmm. there too to be able to say 
in 10 years or whatever, you're developing leadership skills for women as well. Right. And we bring a a lot of alumni in to kind of talk about that and how they uh, led their pro, like led their teams and how they, uh, athletic experience has actually helped them in their job field, um, their workplace. Um, Even if it is just a professor who graduated from here, played a sport here, and how they came back here, or um, just bringing in different people and kind of building that leadership and building the leadership for the younger people that come, too. Sure. Um, You're also the president of the human-powered vehicle team. First, for the average person, (laughs) we have no idea what that means, so first explain what that is and then what your role in that is as well. Yeah, so outside of athletics, um, the school has this thing called CAMP, the Center for Advanced Multidisciplinary Projects. And Human Powered Vehicle is a CAMP team. Uh, So what we do basically every year is we build some sort of bicycle for competition. Um, And we go compete with that every year uh, obviously, my freshman year was canceled to COVID, and then last year was online. This year is also online, um, just because the overarching ASME just said, like, two days ago, everyone can start meeting in person again. So, like, we weren't even supposed to meet on campus in person, which is really hard to build a bike if you're not supposed to be in person. Um, and so because we were part of camp we could kind of move around that and meet in person but um the competitions itself are still online last year this year um but essentially an in-person competition would look like building a bike and then we'd either be in michigan or california i think it's been in nevada at some point um most of the time it's over in michigan Um, But you would take the bike, there's an endurance race, a um, speed race, there's another thing that I'm forgetting, but um, you just kind of, you go and you test, basically test the engineering of the bike. Um, It has certain specifications, so if the bike were to flip over, uh, the person's not allowed to touch the ground. any, any part of their body is not allowed to touch the ground, so you have to go through the safety of what harness do we use, what roll cage do we put on it, um, brake tests. So, like, you have to stop within a certain distance after applying the brakes. Um, you have to maneuver different levels of variability of track, um, whether that be really rough road or really smooth road. Um, so it's just kind of a, an engineering project, basically. Um, a lot, And that's one of the things, hopefully, more as, as the school grows, that uh, more athletes will see that they can be a part of this instead of just solely athletics. Um, I know one thing for me was that it was nice being able to be part of the athletics, but also being able to be part of this thing where most of them aren't athletes but they do more of the engineering aspect more they still find a team aspect which is nice um overall so i've been 
on it for three years now. Last year I was the co-president. Um, this year my co-president did not want to be co-president, so he just said, have it. Um, okay, cool. Um, so we're currently, uh, we're not going to competition this year. Uh, a, because it's online. B, because there's like five of us on the team. And so we thought it would be better to just build the bike um, and send it, build the bike, have something to show off to the students to get more people so that we can go next year. Uh, so we're currently in the process of building last year's bike, um, which is a tadpole recumbent bicycle. Uh, so for the person who doesn't know what that is, uh, two wheels in the front, one wheel in the back, um, and it has a steering mechanism. This is kind of where I came into it with the biomedical engineering, um, because we were trying to reduce the stress and strain on the rider as they were riding it. So our steering system is actually in the um, power box, which if you think about it is kind of the strike zone in baseball. Um, and that just it takes more stress and strain off of your wrist and your hands. You're less likely to get uh, carpal tunnel or arthritis uh, if you're here then if you're here, if you think about it, like no one holds a box above their head with their arms straight extended. Everyone's holding it at their midsection. Um, it's just more efficient. It's less stress and strain on the body. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> no, you explained that really well. So even even I understood it, and so I'm hope, hopefully everybody else did too. Um, the last kind of group I guess that you're a part of is the mental wellness committee. Mm -hmm. Obviously, mental wellness is a huge thing for everybody, but here with the amount of time student athletes put into their sport, mm -hmm. school, how important is it to have that committee? And, you know, even for yourself, what do you do to kind of keep your mind right? Yeah, so this committee was start also started last year. Um, it was kind of started in conjunction with the diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so, I mean, we don't necessarily work with them, but it was started at the same time. Um, and we haven't done a whole lot this, this year, but it's really important um, just kind of giving student athletes a way to realize healthy and unhealthy um, behaviors a lot of times athletes they get they do practice they do the games they do their it's it's a constant cycle of wake up school practice compete wake up school practice repeat and that is taxing it is emotionally physically and mentally taxing no matter who you are at some point you're going to reach burnout and the, I originally, when we started this, we were uh, just kind of talking about how can we let student athletes know it's okay to go up to their coach and say, coach, I need a day off. Coach, I, I need to be able to take this break. And how to do that effectively. Um, and just kind of let the student athletes know that there are ways that they can... Uh, 
it's okay to tell your coach, look, I need a break. I can't do this seven days a week. And not that we're not allowed to do it seven days a week, but essentially a student athlete, they're going to practice on their own, whether that be inside or outside of care hours, no matter what, they're still doing school practice competing. Um, it's, it's just in our nature to be in the sport. We're, we're always something every day revolves around yeah. some sort of sport. Yeah, even if you're not practicing, you're probably lifting or you're probably going to the gym or you're, you're doing mm-hmm. something, whether it's, it's part of the team, whether it's not. It's right. basically two full-time jobs. Exactly. Um, so that, that was definitely started just to, to help the athletes with the mental aspect of it, not reaching, not letting yourself get to that burnout stage or get to that burnout stage as quickly. Um, being able to realize that we are still human. We might think that we are God sometimes, but, uh, we are definitely still human and we definitely, uh, need to take those breaks for ourselves. And on the other hand of that, taking those breaks will actually help you get better. So just kind of letting athletes see it's okay to take a break. You'll actually probably see improvement if you do take a break. And then uh, obviously you, we just went through all the stuff you're involved in. Plus you not only do that, you work a lot of the games when you're out of season. You work a lot of the basketball games. You worked football games, volleyball games. How do you stay mentally healthy or as mentally healthy as possible, I guess? Honestly, by doing just that. I am definitely a person who, if I sit around and am not doing something, I don't know what to do. And for me, that is more detrimental than it is beneficial. Yes, every once in a while it's nice to be like, oh, I don't have anything to do. But I definitely do a lot better if I'm doing 500 other things. (laughs) So... Uh, like doing the film for basketball and football and everything that was something that I could focus on and be like okay I have this to do and then I can plan out everything else around that and still give myself breaks I have a a spreadsheet on my computer actually planning out here are my classes here's what I need to do here's my homework block here's golf practice Here's when I'm supposed to eat dinner. <laughs> I was going to say, you must be extremely organized to be able to, like, not miss a sack meeting or not miss, you know, to be able to balance all that and then still have, like, a 3.7 GPA. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I was the kid in high school who was like, oh, if my grade's below an A, it's, it's a problem. And so that was definitely one thing coming into college, being like, it's okay, you know, you can, you can get that B, it's okay, um, but it's also one of those things where it's like, I, I just, I had to be doing, I've taken 16, 17, 18 credits every semester I've been here, I, it's, it's, I just, I have to be, I have to be doing something, I, I can't just sit around and, if I, if I'm sitting around not doing anything, that's when I start, you know, thinking to myself, oh, you know, what if so-and-so does whatever, and I'm just like, this is pointless, get out of my head, you know. I'm, st- I'm it more, almost creates stress for right. you. Right. I'm more in my head when I'm not doing something than I am if I 
am doing everything else. If, if I'm doing everything else, if I have a plan of when I'm doing X, Y, and Z, I can, I can focus on that and I can get it done and, and still have time, you know, yeah. hour, two, three a day to do what I want to do. Sure. So. Sure. Yeah. It's, obviously it's important to still make time for yourself to do things that are unrelated. And what are some of those things that you like to do? Are you a movie person? Do you play video game? What do you do with, like, when you do have a second of free time, what's your hobbies, so to speak? I read books. Okay. <laughs> um, movies, no, not really. Uh, I've never been a huge TV watcher. Um, never been huge into video games. Just not something I, I do. Not saying that others can't do that. I just, I just not, it's not my thing. I, it's another one of those things where I, I'm just kind of, if I'm just sitting there, not actively mentally doing something, I'm like, what's the point of this? So if I'm sitting there, I mean, some movies are nice. Like I'll, I'll watch movies. I just have to be in the mood to watch a movie. If I'm just sitting there watching it for who knows what, I'm just kind of like, get bored. Yeah. You know, just looking around the room, like, is it done yet? Can I leave? <laughs> um, we already talked about how you're a bio biomedical engineering major. What do you see? Obviously, you still have a couple years left, but what do you see yourself maybe doing in the future? Is it something you've given a lot of thought to? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I'm going to get a biomedical engineering bachelor's and not ever use it. <laughs> um, but currently... I've been back and forth on a lot of things. So originally when I started, I was going to do biomedical engineering. I was going to minor in robotics. And then I took a CSC class. And CSC was not my thing. Uh, maybe it was because it was COVID and it was half online and whatever. And it was also, so I, I took CSC twice. Um, the first semester it was, I, definitely chalked that up to you know kind of learning the college schedule the how to deal with 18 credits and uh golf and just ev everything that I had to do and I just I didn't understand it it was not my thing took it again and then it went online halfway through it and I was just like this is not something I'm willing to do online I'm if I'm gonna be in a computer science minor I needed to be in person and back then we had no idea what was going to happen um so I, I started looking at other options um I looked at doing perfusion school uh which works in open heart surgery um obviously if you're having open heart surgery your heart can't pump its own blood so the perfusionist works the heart and lung machine it um filters your blood through it it oxygenates it it puts it back through it kind of bypasses your heart while they're working on it uh, and then you slowly give back the function to the heart when they're done. Um, looked into that. Of course, with the pandemic, it was really hard to get a shadowing in on that. Um, so over the summer, I was getting patient care hours because a lot of those medical, uh, masters of medical sciences, you need patient care hours. Um, and I actually worked in a assisted living facility specializing in Alzheimer's and dementia. And I fell in love with it. Um, so now <laughs> the focus is getting a physician assistant's master's 
specializing in geriatric medicine. Um, I, from there, could work in an assisted living facility. I could work in a hospital. I could kind of do whatever I want with that. Um, and the nice thing about PA is if I get tired of geriatric medicine, I can go specialize in something else. Um, so that's kind of where I'm focused right now. Applications for that start up in April, so I'll be applying for those in April. Um, and then it's like kind of like a year-long process, so I'll know kind of by the end of this year, per se, uh, if I've been accepted, um, if I need to apply to more, etc. Um, but it's, it's just one of those things I was immediately drawn to uh, helping the elderly. It was fantastic. I loved it. It was hard work. Um, it was hard not only taking care of them, but also just kind of seeing the decline as it happens. Um, but it was something I just, I loved. I loved being able to t help them. I loved being able to take care of them. Loved hearing their stories, actually. Um, you learned a lot when you're dealing with 93-year-old people. Um, oh, actually, you learn a lot, uh, through history, too. We had a lot of people that grew up kind of depression, World War II era, so there was a lot of, we need to save everything, we need to save everything. Um, so it, it was just interesting to see how uh, the different the different times and everything and just kind of learn about that, which is something I love doing. Um, and just being able to connect with them and help them, so. That's currently where I'm focused at. I know it kind of makes no sense getting a math a, a bachelor's that you're never going to use, but it, it's definitely yeah. it, it's it's still applicable. It's still very helpful uh, requirements for PA school. Um, you get a lot of the same, uh, you know, your biologies, your chemistries, your life sciences. I have all of that. I just have a few extra math and engineering classes. So. It, it's happens way more often than you think. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously here it's a little bit different, but to me, college is more about you learning practical problems and mm -hmm. how to solve them than it is actually learning about yeah. the subject that you're... Obviously, it's a little different here than everywhere else. But. Yeah, yep. So, I know you got to get going here pretty quick. I just have a couple more questions for you. Um... Let's say there was a senior high school student or whoever who was thinking about coming to South Dakota Mines, mm -hmm. student athlete or just student, what would you say to them about your, you know, positive experiences here? Um, so I kind of get to do this just being an athlete and talking to prospective athletes, um, but it's definitely, the, the biggest thing I like to sp uh, stress is that you're gonna have classes that are gonna be hard, but you're gonna also make a lot of friends that are gonna be in those same classes. You're gonna have a lot of different resources that you can use. You have a nice family home atmosphere within your groups on campus. Um, so yeah, there's gonna be a lot of people that are like, oh, you're gonna you know, have to retake this class or whatever. It, you're not, they, they exaggerate. They exaggerate a lot. It's not as bad as you think. Um, I love it here. I have all these different groups that I'm a part of. You don't have to if that's not your thing, but um, I definitely recommend, you know, finding your group of people. Um, it makes it a lot easier, and then 
also you're surrounded by the Black Hills, everything. You can, if you want to get out for a weekend and go hiking, you can. If you want to go skiing, there's a Terry Peak up in Lead. You can, you can go anywhere. You can do anything. So it's a nice little community environment surrounding campus as well. Yeah, one of the things that I kind of like about Rapid, I'm a big city guy too, but one of the things that's nice about Rapid City is it's, while it's not huge, it still has everything you need. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're an outdoors person, you can do that stuff. If you love to shop, there's every shop you We're can We're literally imagine. five minutes yeah. from downtown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's store-wise, food-wise, it has everything pretty much any other big city would Except have. for a Chick-fil-A. Yes, and, hey, a, Chick-fil-A. Raisin, and a Raisin Cane's. <laughs> Let's get our recruits out for those two. You want to come to Rapid? <laughs> Um, and then just the last thing, I know, you, I know you're not a senior yet, but when you kind of reflect on all the things you've done so far, what are you most proud of? Hmm. Honestly, I think just uh, being able to be a part of the golf team and being able to help move them to... Um, move them to a better program, be a part of the team building, the program building, um, but also being able to uh, start the biomedical engineering program and get that moving forward. A lot of times you'll hear the professors relate to our cl- my class specifically as the guinea pigs uh, because we are, that's what we are. We are the guinea pigs. Um, but it's nice being able to eventually get the program to where it needs to be for incoming students and uh, incoming um, even transfer students, just being able to make a program for them that they'll be a proud they'll be proud to be a part of and um, learn a lot through and be able to go out into the work field knowing that they know what they're going to be able to do. All right, that's all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you got another class you got to head to Actually, now it's pretty practice. quick. But <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. Yep, thank you.